0: Lord and put their trust in Him. This series has been entitled, right off of that last line, a new song uh, to have a new revelation uh, of what the Lord has been doing in your life, what the Lord is doing in your life, where, how He has been working all along. But you're, we are the part that needs to receive this. We need to recognize it. We need to take a step back and declare this is how God. Has been working in my life. And songs have a way of, uh, the, we, we talk about a song because songs have a way of helping us remember things. But whether there's a song to it or not, my, my goal throughout this series is that you would get a revelation from God as if, as if it's already there to get. You just need to receive it. And so next week, I, I hope you, you've gotten a new song. You've been able to, to get a revelation from the Lord. We've talked about um, a song of peace. Um, we, we, we talked about, uh, in, in previous weeks, you we, we, we've talked about a new song, a new song of peace. And I'm trying to stumble and remember what the one before that was. Um, but we've been going through this series and next week, Dr. Danielle Casey is going to finish with a new song of deliverance. Um, it is her birthday today for those of you, I don't see her. She was on her way here today, but I I know something happened, but those of y'all see Danielle or know Danielle, uh, wish her a happy birthday today, but she's going to be bringing this series to a close next week. And as um, we are doing that, since this will be my last time uh, teaching through this, I just realized something that I did that I didn't want to offend anyone. We've been going through hymns, and we've been going, we went through some music, some music that's influential that, that sticks in your memory whether you want it to or not. And I realized I've been very um, offensive to the, the newest generations. Okay? I didn't do any songs from 2000 to 2020. And I just want to publicly apologize for that, okay? So I wanted to close the last day just to see if any of us have been paying attention. And my kids have gone downstairs, so I'm looking to see some of you, if you're even going to know any of these songs, okay? Because these songs were written in the last 20 years, okay? So we play this game in it with, with with my family where we'll just go in the car, we'll put scan on or or skip on, and we're the first person to name the the artist of the song gets a point, and then you can name the, the name of the song, too, and you get a point. And I'm, I usually kill my family. I win all the time. And if, if there's a way to do this professionally, I'm going to look into it. But I want to see if you guys can get a shot at doing this right now, okay? So you you don't even have to raise your hand, but be bold, okay? If you know the answer to this, say it loud. And I'm not going to sing it. I'm just going to give the lyrics, okay? And you see if you've got these lyrics so you know the name of the song and the name of the artist. I'm only going to do three of these. This first one should be easy. Next one won't be as easy. And the third one, I think you all should know too. All right, you ready? I want to say who's going to say this loud, okay? But I keep cruising. Can't stop. Won't stop moving. It's like I got this music in my mind saying it's going to be all right. Nobody got that yet? What is it, Chrissy? No, no. (laughs) Because the player's going to play, 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 play. And the hater's going to hate, 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 hate. But I'm just going to... Shake, what do you got? (laughs) No, they got the name of the song. What? By who? All right, great job. Tracy's got two points. Now, you guys will never get this one, but I thought I'd try. I thought if that one went well, then maybe you'll get this one, but you won't. This is a good song, actually. This one came out in 2014. Loving can hurt. Loving can hurt sometimes, but it's the only thing that I know when it gets hard. You know, it can get hard sometimes, and it's the only thing that makes us feel alive. We keep this love in a photograph. We made these memories for ourselves where our eyes are never closing, our hearts are never broken, and times forever frozen still. See, there's still some good songs being written out there. Nobody has any clue who that is, do you? Peyton, you know? No? Ava? All right, that's Ed Sheeran, photograph. I I didn't think we'd do too well with that. It's a good song, okay? 2014. All right, y'all should know this one. Okay, y'all should know this one, so it's the first person to say this. You might not know who the artist is. Bless the Lord, O my soul, O my soul, worship his holy name. Sing like never before, O my soul, I'll worship your holy name. I got this one yet? The sun comes up, it's a new day dawning. We sing this in church. It's time to sing your song again. Whatever may pass or whatever comes before me, let me be singing when the evening ends. Ten thousand reasons. You might know who wrote it. All right, it's a guy named Matt Redmond, Okay, uh, he still st- wrote a lot of music in the '90s as well. So there are some new songs that are coming out. Of course, I thought most of you would know "Shake It Off," and it's not. There's nothing wrong with you that you don't. I think it's good that you don't know that song, huh? No, I was singing the. I was just giving the lyrics. Oh, I needed to sing. Okay. All right. <laughs> okay. I said I was just gonna do the, the lyrics. Um I would need the music. Um so I don't maybe if you get that, Joel, but um I, I most people have, have n- know that song, but um so you've seen that that there's still some, some good music being written in the last twenty years, so I don't want to leave those two generations out. Um but what the songs were in Scripture, which is also referred to as the Psalms, um, were stories that revelations that people had come to, but not all of them were, were good revelations. We're going to talk about that in just a little bit. But I want to encourage you, I hope throughout this, this series, as, as we're going to bring this to an end next week, that you would recognize that the Lord is speaking to you through what you are going through in this season of your life. The Lord is speaking to you, so the question is whether or not you are listening. The Lord is speaking to you. The question to you is whether or not you are listening. So I want to give you one, one last message from me before Danielle um, shares next week and go back into 2 Corinthians here. Today we're going to talk about a new song of grace. A new song of grace. Let's begin with a word of prayer this morning. Well, Lord, I thank you for this opportunity to share your word. Right, as I begin this one, Lord, I'm reminded that maybe in, in moments like this, maybe this one isn't even for anyone here and it was just for me because I thank you, Lord, that your spirit speaks through these passages. And Lord, today, may, we, may you give us an understanding of grace. May we hear something, recognize something about ourselves that we've been refusing to. And we thought would be too hard for us, that we've been challenged to receive. And now you are the sovereign God who brings life to us in a way that you don't shove it down our throat, but it is ours to receive. And so may we receive your grace this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to get back into 2 Corinthians 6-12, uh, through 12, and I am going to read this. Again, I, Pam did a great job, but this is, man. I don't know if you, how off if you've ever read this passage, I hope this passage, if you're a curious type, would raise some questions for you because I know that it does me. It actually raises questions that many Bible scholars have been wrestling with for years. And so I'm going to go back into 2 Corinthians 12 verses 6 through 10 and begin in verse 6. It says, "Paul, this is Paul writing to the Corinthian church. He says, even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool because I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain, so no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say. You know, Paul's kind of speaking in a term of... Uh, to say Paul was humble is certainly true, but whenever we talk about our own humility, we, we always have egg on our face, don't we? For, for me to stand up here and say, I am the most humble person I have ever met. It just doesn't sound very good, does it? And as part of a little bit of what Paul is doing here, though, is he's breaking down, uh, trying to be really honest about what was ha- what's been happening to him as he has been given this platform and it becomes such an influential person in the churches and someone that people want to hear. And he gets into verse seven, he says, o, or because of these sur- surpassingly great revelations, therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh. Here's what it says. It says a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So today we're talking about our new song of peace, and we see that word grace in red letters That means this was a revelation that Paul had received from Jesus. So this is, Paul is speaking and basically quoting what the Lord had spoke to him. That's what this series is about, by the way, church. Do you have some red letters in your life right now? Maybe those are red letters that are actually in scripture, things you've read before, and that's great. But I'm talking about the red letters That are coming to you right now. The word that you're getting from the Lord today. What are the red letters in your life right now? And again, I'd love to be, I would be encouraged by hearing some of those things, what the Lord is speaking to you, whether it be through an email or or after church or whatever it may be. Um, That is what we are here together for, to testify of what the Lord is doing in our life. So that's what the, another way I can put this new song. What are the red letters in your life? These are the red letters these aren't quoting exact these are these are coming right from from Jesus to Paul and this is what Paul is sharing that Christ is saying to him and he uses this word grace now grace in the greek is the word charis which really just means a gift now when we when we parse grace and mercy in biblical terms mercy is that let me make sure i don't mess this up mercy is not being given some something that you do deserve, referring to the negative. Like you deserve punishment, God is withholding punishment. The do-deserved punishment that you deserve, God is withholding it. That's his mercy, okay? Grace is when he gives you something that you don't deserve, something good. Grace is, grace is spoken of in the positive. And so when Paul, Paul says, my grace, my gift... You're going through something and I'm giving you a gift. That gift that I have given you is sufficient, is more than enough. Now, what we're going to get into today with this new song of grace is that sometimes what the Lord gives us, the gift that he gives us is something that maybe we never really wanted. In other words, we never really knew we needed it. If we knew we needed it, we would run from it. Sometimes the Lord gives us something what we, that we need and not exactly what we want. Just let me give you some examples. Maybe you can trace back the good that came out of, say, a lost job. The good that came out of a health scare that you had. And maybe it brought your family closer, maybe put things with a new priority. Maybe it came through the end of a relationship. A relationship had come to an end, and so new things, new relationships begin to form. Maybe it just simply came through conflict, you know, the conflict that you've been avoiding for so long that you know you're going to have, and you're going to have to address something, and maybe that, that conflict isn't something you ever wanted to experience, but then finally once you dealt with it, some good came out of it. Now, Paul, the, this language that he gets into here, he talks about getting a messenger from Satan, which sounds really strange. And again, Bible scholars have wrestled with this passage for years. Now, if you notice, that is that is almost identical to the theology, okay, the 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 God and Satan theology that we see in the book of Job. Okay, we talked about Job a few weeks ago. A lot of bad things happened to Job, but who did those things to Job? Anybody remember? The devil did, okay? That's the way the story is set up. In the beginning of Job, Satan actually comes to God, and, he, and, and God asked him where he had been. He said, I had been moving to and fro throughout the earth. Um, and then God says, have you considered my servant Job. So the enemy did these things to Job just as the enemy is a messenger for to Paul in this text but yes God is allowing it to happen. This is the part that messes with us. This is the part why we this is the reason why we need to hear a message like this because God allows bad things to happen to us. He allows things that we don't understand to happen to us. And Paul speaks of this kind of stuff and he uses the word thorn in my side. Now, I was just as I was studying this, I was thinking, imagine if we actually had what it was that Paul said he was struggling with. Then all of a sudden, I I we would downplay whatever it was he was struggling with in our culture. Because, well, that's not that bad. Paul struggled with that. And 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 I don't know what maybe this doesn't doesn't hit you like it hit me, but it certainly hit me. I realized that I can't tell you publicly, although I'd be more than happy to privately, and this is true of me, I probably can't tell you publicly all the dark things that I think about, all of the dark things that, that I struggle with, uh, you know, in, in a setting like this, because it'd be like, wow, how could, how could he be a pastor if he goes through things like that, if he thinks about things like that, if he says things like that, how could he be a pastor? Well, if he can do that and he thinks of that, then I guess I'm okay. And that's probably what we would do if we knew exactly what was going on with Paul. But the point is that there there was stuff going on in this man of God's life that he has not figured out yet, that is still incredibly annoying to him, that he still recognizes that he is weak that he still recognizes he does not have it under control, and he's reminded time in and time out of his vulnerability. And what a beautiful thing. Isn't that what happened with Jacob in the Old Testament? Because Jacob's a lot like us. Jacob's a striver. He wants to do everything with his own hands. He wants to go get everything God promised for him and thinking as if that he has the power to go get all that stuff in his own means. And so he has to be reminded from time to time, who he is, that everything he has been given actually came to him from the living God. And so Jacob, right before he wrestled with the angel, before he had an experience with his brother Esau, who for all intents and purposes he knew was trying to kill him, he, before he had favor with Esau, he wrestled with an angel. And the last thing the angel did before Jacob left, he renamed him. He says, you are Jacob, you're a supplanter, you're a deceiver. That's what you've done basically all your life. That's what you think you need to do to succeed. That's what you think you need to do to be powerful, to manipulate and strive. But now I'm naming you Israel. That means you are blessed with God. Blessed by God. And then the angel even added something to that. He added what David, or excuse me, what Jacob needed to hear. Just like when the Lord speaks to us, sometimes he gives us what we need to hear. And he says, "You have you have striven with God and man and you have overcome." Well, he hasn't really overcome God, but Jacob needed to hear that. He needed to hear that he was blessed. He was received, he had favor. And just before the angel left, the last thing that he did was poke Jacob right here. And so Jacob would have this injury in his hip. He would walk around with this injury the rest of his life and physically be reminded that his power is made perfect in weakness. And so Paul has got a similar thing that he's saying here. He's saying, I have stuff that is still going on me. Every time I'm tempted to get conceited, I'm reminded of all the things that I don't have figured out yet, that I'm a man who's sharing all these letters with the church, but yet this garbage is still going on in my life, and I wish I could say I was victorious over it, but daggone it, it is still a thorn in my side. I'm reminded of verse John 21, 18. Because this is what began to happen in Paul's life. And maybe some of you have experienced this as you've gotten older as well. It says, Very truly I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you to where you do not want to go. So part of this verse is about stuff in our lives that that we wish would go away, stuff that that we need to deal with, and other pieces also about spiritual maturity. About allowing God to do works in your life that, well, you don't want him to. Allowing the events that are taking place in your life to speak to you. Everyone, everyone in this room has their thing. I would go so far to say as everyone in this room has multiple things. And if you don't think that you do, I just found one for you. You're religious. You think you don't have a thing. You've got issues because you think you don't have something. And everyone does. And the word of the Lord in this text is my grace is sufficient for you. The gift of my presence that I have given you is sufficient now we 're going to have to unpack what that is the best one of the the best ways I can put that to you is that his presence he is with you he is available to you his presence is near he has given you what you need and Paul goes on the rest of the text to tell us the power all that he all that he gets by remaining in Christ and what happens when he recognizes that he has a weakness. So quickly, I want to go through three, and then, well, then four, and one-fourth one in conclusion today of what this new song of grace is. A new song of grace, the first thing. And to, to recognize this new song of grace, it's going to be us having an attitude of thank you, saying thank you, Lord, for recognizing the grace of God in our life. Thank you, Lord, for our first one, Joel, if you put that one up there. Thank you, Lord, for not giving me everything I wanted. All right, I want to say this together because somebody needs to do this this morning. We need to come to terms with this, okay? You didn't get everything you wanted in life, did you? You're not getting everything you want right now, okay? Let's, let's, we're we're going to say this together, this line. Not give, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for not giving me everything I wanted. The text that I put up there is a reference we're not going to get into, but, but I mean, we're not going to look at the text. It's 2 Samuel chapter 11 and 12. What happened in 2 Samuel, 2 Samuel 11 and 12 is that David David was the king. David was the most renowned kings in all of Israel. And David in, in 2, Samuel, uh, 2, Samuel, 2 Samuel chapter 11, it says at a time when kings go off the war, off to war, David remained in Jerusalem. And while he should have been out out with his company in battle, he remained on the rooftop and and just looking over his city, and guess what he saw? That's right. He saw Bathsheba bathing. And we're so hard on David for what happens next. I'm not going to go into details. Most of you know the story. But the piece is that David was the king. He could see and he could have what he wanted. All he had to do was say, go get that woman for me. And what happened when David got what he wanted? You know what the the consequences? I don't know if anybody's read the rest of scripture. You know what the consequences of this action would be for David? First of all, they would be public. I mean, this was going to be public humiliation. David lost three sons dead. Three of his kids died because of what he did. He also, he lost, he had had three kids that had died. He lost wives. Some of his wives went to other men. Um, this did not go well. And most, most the, the worst part about it, I mean, one of the worst pieces about it was that it was public. Everybody knew about it. The king of Israel had an affair with this woman and all this stuff. He even had this guy Uriah killed because Nathan goes and prophesies to David publicly. Now, maybe if we really got everything that we wanted, there would be consequences for getting everything that we wanted. But, Sometimes we need to thank God for his mercy, for not, for, for not giving us all the, the, the judgment that we deserve for all of the things that we have done wrong, for all of our consequences. But, but imagine just for a moment, just sitting here, if you, over the course of your life, if you've gotten everything you ever wanted, everything you prayed, I, I prayed last week I think we sang the, the, quickly the, the Garth Brooks song, sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayers. For all the things that I didn't get. See, there was grace in your life in those moments. There was grace in your life where God reminded you of his presence with you. That there is something in this life that is bigger than the things that you are pursuing right now. All of these things that you think you need, that you think you are entitled to, he's telling us that you don't need. We need to take a step back. If we're going to have a new song of grace, take a step back and say, Lord, thank you. Thank you for not giving me everything that I wanted. The next one. Thank you for not, or excuse me, thank you for the challenge that kept me alive. I want to read James Uh, Chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. I wonder if you've seen this one in your life yet. The challenge that kept you alive. The challenge that kept you going. The challenge, some of us get excited about this challenge. Some of us just get incredibly annoyed by the challenge and wonder, why do I have to go through this? Why does this have to be a part of my life? But sometimes if you take a step back and recognize God's grace in your life, that thing was keeping you invigorated. That thing was keeping your mind sharp. That thing was keeping you alive and keeping you moving. I've got all kinds of examples of this that I hope you've been able to recognize, and maybe it's in your life or in others' lives. Um, I can say this about her because she's not here, and, and whether she wants me to talk about it or not, I'm going to anyway. But how many of you have seen our, you guys see what our church looks like you know, when you come in here, right? Um, we got one of the most beautiful landscapes, all these fresh flowers that are planted, all kinds of stuff all around the church. I, I, I always like to tell the story because most of you don't know how all this came to pass, okay? One day about seven years ago, maybe longer, maybe closer to eight years ago, one day about seven to eight years ago, some, some lady named Sue Patterson showed up at our church and just said, hey, you mind if I start planting flowers here? I used to go to church here when I was a kid, and, and Reverend Good was so, so really, really good to me, and we got to know each other a little bit. And she, at that time in her late 70s, um, started planting church, uh, flowers here at our church, and guess what? She is still doing it today. I think Sue is about 84 years old. Fred is uh, in his late 80s. And they still come out here, and they're, they're, they're planting all these flowers. Now, you know, there's, there's some strange cons to this because, again, we've never asked them to do this. They just showed up and started doing it. So we're definitely not going to tell them to stop. And But, but they have a hard time doing these things. And so every time when they're out here, which is usually in the warmest time of the day, and, and I'm usually not here when they're here, um, they're, they're having trouble with things, and some of the people in the, in the neighbors are, are coming and helping them out and stuff too, and, and getting to, she's getting to know a lot of our neighbors as well. But every time I talk to her, and, you, and, and she always says these things, she says these things often, but she says what I just said. She says that this is keeping me alive. I have to keep moving. I have to keep doing this. And so she gets to make beauty, make things um, look beautiful. And it, it's one thing that keeps her going. It keeps her it keeps her moving. And and her and Fred have been doing this for years now. You've heard of maybe these athletes that are, that are like that. You think of like whether it's a- athletes or I like to think of like boxers and fighters who um, maybe Ollie and Frazier, if you're into MMA, Liddell and Ortiz, these guys, they were like each other's rivals and they needed that challenge to keep each other going. And it's kind of starting to not go as well like in college football because if, if you're an Ohio State fan, you don't like the school up north, right? And those two schools, what, what's funny about college is that when I don't get into college as much, I get into pros more because, you know, if Ohio State loses a game or two, their season is basically over except for that one game they have left uh, on the calendar at the end of the year. And there's something happening where that other team up north just isn't that good anymore. So the, the rivalry is decreasing and that challenge isn't there, but you understand this idea of a challenge that keeps us alive. I think this metaphor is best portrayed. Uh, have you ever heard of the story, The Life of Pi? Have you guys, have my seen that movie or read that book? Just lift up your hands. Good. So a few of you have seen that. So maybe you know what happens. They're at a. He's basically on a big ship, and uh, this is not a true story, by the way. He's basically on this big ship, but it's a great metaphor. And on this ship is basically a circus, okay? And the circus has a lot of wild animals, okay? And one of those animals is a tiger. Okay, so the ship starts to sink, and Pi, is the the boy's name, has to get on a lifeboat. And he's kind of like, you know, delirious when all this stuff is happening. He almost loses his life, but somehow he managed to get on a lifeboat. And he wakes up on this lifeboat, and there's like this blanket. There's this something under over here. And he's on this lifeboat all by himself in the middle of the ocean. And guess what's on that lifeboat with him? A tiger, yes. Imagine being stranded in the middle of nowhere you know, salt water all around you, nothing to eat or drink, and all that is, all all that's there on that boat is you. I think there were a couple other animals, actually. Maybe you know the story better than I do, but the one you remember is the tiger on a lifeboat with a tiger, and when the way this, this story is told is that the reality is that tiger kept him alive. He had to stay alert so that he wouldn't die. He had to use his brain and figure out how he was going to keep, moving from day to day to survive, rather than just lay there and let himself pass away. Pi, you know, at the end of the story, he could say, thank you for this challenge. Thank you, Tiger, for saving my life, for keeping me awake, for reminding me that I'm still alive, that my heart's still beating, that that I am in control of my destiny. And that right there might be one of the key statements, that you still have some initiative. You still have some influence. Don't give up on the challenge in your life. The challenge may have been sovereignly placed in your life. So right now for you, I want you to look across your life. I want you to think of maybe those challenges that have kept you alive. Maybe some of them, maybe some of them are challenges that you've that you've created for yourself, some things that you want to go and do and push yourself. But, but thank the Lord for the things that have been placed in your life that kept you pushing forward, that you decided I wasn't going to quit. I'm going to keep pushing forward. I'm going, to, I'm going to win this daggone thing. I'm going to figure this out one way or another. I'm not going to quit. Thank you, Lord, for the challenge that has been placed in my life. And the third one. Thank you, Lord, for not intervening. i want to read Psalm 44, verses 23 through 26 says this. It says, for the director of music of David, oh, Psalm, uh, oh, that's it, right? Yeah. I wanted uh, 20, maybe I put did that wrong, Joel. I'll go to the text if I have to. I wanted verses 23 through 26. Did I, 44, 23 through 26, do I got that one in there? Okay, good. Awake, Lord, why do you sleep? Rouse yourself. Do not reject us forever. Why do you hide your face and forget our misery and oppression? We are brought down to the dust. Our bodies cling to the ground. Rise up and help us. Rescue us because of your unfailing love. Now, in the Psalms, there are a lot of Psalms like this. If you're noticing, this psalm is not about the presence of God. It is about the absence of God. There are lots of psalms like that in the Bible. In other words, that means they made the cut that people, that that, that the canon had been passed on from generation to generation, and and some of this was through oral tradition. (coughs) And these psalms were still in here. In other words, people kept singing about them because they reflected real and honest human emotion, the emotion that you and I will feel at times in our walk with the Lord, like, where the heck are you? Why is this happening in my life right now? Why, why aren't you intervening? Why aren't you revealing yourself? Why aren't you showing yourself in some way? As, I mean, maybe it's just me. Has anybody ever felt that way before? And this is all through the Psalms, many Psalms like this, Psalms of silence, Psalms of the absence of God, Psalms of longing, For the Lord to step in, long to know and to see and experience His favor. Psalms where we felt like He is not intervening when He should. In other words, when we think He should. The great revelation that comes from Psalms like this in these moments is that He is Lord and we are not. I'll say that again that he is lord and we are not. It's a tough reality to come to. It's not it doesn't preach well to say those things. Hey, God's not showing up in my life anymore. Pastor, do you have anything to say about that? Yeah, he's God and you're not. His ways are better than yours and some way somehow he's got a plan but I bet if you look around you can still see him, but yes, you're wanting God to reveal himself to you in a certain way, and I know that he's not, because he's God and you're not. And the 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 key revelations here is again to to find ourselves in that spot. And so when we recognize that, the question that we gotta throw out that I have to throw out to you is when he's not responding, when you're not. Seeing him intervene in the way you think that he should, the question is, will you still worship him? The moment you realize he's not the God that you wanted, he's not the God you hoped he would be for you. Will you still worship him? Well, we know the right Christian answer, right? Well, of course it's yes, but that's just not true in a practical level. Many of us to say no all the time. Well, if you ain't showing up, I ain't going to church. I ain't talking to them. I ain't doing that stuff anymore. This is, I don't know what the point of this stuff is anymore. And, and we just find ourselves getting grumpy, digging ourselves into a big hole, and walking away. My question is, when you don't know, when he's not intervening, will you still worship? Will you still place him on the throne in your life? Because if you're ready to receive this or not, that is what's really going on in your life in those moments. You're wanting to get back up on the throne and figure all of this out. And God is reminding you that, no, I am seated on the throne. I know everything that's, what's, that's going on with you right now. And you know what he says? My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. And that's the last one today I will, will say as we conclude the last thing to thank him for comes right back out of 2 Corinthians 12:9. Thank you for your strength and your power. Thank you for your strength and your power. 2 Corinthians if you can put that one back up there 2 Corinthians 12:9, but he said to me, "My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses." so that Christ's power may rest on me. Just leave that up there for a second. That is so counter, counter to our culture today. Let's boast about all of our weaknesses. Let's talk about all the thorns in our flesh, all of the things that for as old as we are and as long as we've been doing this, we should have sure as heck figured out by now. But here we are, and we still have not Don't you get this? This is a word for all of our failures and not the ones in the past, the ones that we're still doing right now. It's a word for the ways that we drop the ball time and time again. It's not that God is happy with it. It's not that we should be happy with it. But the Lord says in the midst of your failures, I am present with you. And in this moment, I, I can use you in such a way because you're vulnerable in ways that you're not in other areas. I'm ready. You're, you, you can experience my power through this moment of vulnerability. When you're ready to admit you have a weakness, you're ready for repentance. And through repentance, I can bring about my power and my change in your life. This is the part that selfish, entitled Americans never figure out about the gospel because we are always wrestling. We're always competing with with our neighbors. And I've been doing that so much lately. It makes me sick. I live in, I live in a place where people have boats and have houses on the lake. And why don't I have a boat yet? Why don't I have any wave runners? Why can not I go out on the lake and do that kind of, doing that kind of garbage all the time. We're always trying to compete and and trying to get that next step and, 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 and trying to, you know, make everything, make, make all of our homes and everything look beautiful, which, of course, there's nothing wrong with that, but just way of competition, a way of showing everybody how we got it all together, right? And the Lord says, the gospel does not work that way. Now, I'm talking, he's talking about his power in your life. The moment when you keep coming to me saying, you got it, I got it all together, Lord. I can't use you. Religious person, please leave my face is really what he wants to say to you. (laughs) But the moment we come to him and realize, gosh, I I need to deal with this in my life. I I can make excuses for other people all day. I can make excuses for all the things that are happening, but I know that ultimately I'm the one that's responsible. And Lord, I need you to bring about change in my life. That is when the Lord can use you. So, if you've been empowered in those moments, if those moments are happening right now for you, maybe you can take a step back and receive a new song of grace in your life and say, Thank you, Lord, for your grace. Let me pray for you. Let me just close our eyes for a second, bow our heads. What well, I hope all across this church, your people hear that loudly, my power is made perfect in weakness. My power is made perfect in weakness. My power is made perfect in weakness. It is when you are vulnerable that I can show you who I am. It is when you pretend that you got it all together. It is when you're actually working in opposition to me. So, Lord, all across this room, I pray that your people would receive your grace, would receive your presence in the midst of the things that they don't have figured out yet, in the midst of their weaknesses, the things that they know need to change, in the midst of uh, of, of all the areas where they've seen challenge in their life, in the midst of the challenge that they're just still there. They've, they've been working on it all their life for the past few years and months, and it's still there And today in this place, you're reminding them that I am with you in the middle of this challenge. Lord, may they hear your voice this morning and respond to you. I just want to, just as a reflection with your heads bowed and eyes closed, this is nothing more than brothers and sisters together in one accord saying, Lord, thank you for your word. If the Lord is speaking to you today and as a sign of response, that your response to him is yes, Lord, thank you for your grace. If that's you, just as a sign of saying yes to the Lord, just want to encourage you to lift up your hand at this time. If that's you, just lift up your hand. Thank you. All across this church, your brothers and sisters are lifting up their hands, saying that they're hearing the voice of the Lord this morning. Lord, we thank you for your grace. We thank you that you are not a God that leaves us off in a distance, that you are present with us in this moment. And it is in our moments when we say yes to you in the middle of our weakness that we can be empowered. So, Lord, may this not just be a Sunday morning thing, but may we find ourselves at your feet again in our moment of weakness, recognizing that we receive your power and be strengthened by you, that your presence is sufficient. Your presence is enough for us. Thank you, Lord, for your presence. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I want to invite you to stand as I give a benediction, a, a short benediction for you. Remind you that the offering plate is still at the back table there. Um, <clears throat> we do have a board meeting this Wednesday night, and uh, we'll be getting back to a, a few things here uh, soon. We'll be talking about it, quite a few things, hopefully some events we can put on the calendar this summer as well. So your benediction this morning, may his grace be sufficient for you, and may his power be made perfect in your Weakness. God bless you. Have a wonderful week.